remember those words. That was a striking statement, uh, maybe a shocking statement, and I guess that's why I remember it. You won't find those exact words in Scripture, but the words are true and can be supported by Scripture. From the Scriptures, we know that our Heavenly Father represents perfection in all aspects of His being. He cannot lie. He is unchanging, the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is faithful. His promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 1 John 4.8 tells us that God is love. Not only is he a loving God, but he is the very essence, the very foundation of love. In our humanity, we can sometimes be jerks. I know from experience. God is never a jerk. Pastor Derek's statement is, in fact, true. In the same vein, how about trying a new one on you? You may not remember it as vividly as Pastor Derek's statement, but I believe that it is equally true. Jesus doesn't make small talk. I'll repeat that. Jesus doesn't make small talk. In the few years that our Lord physically walked this earth, fully God and fully man, everything he said, everything he did was to serve an eternal purpose. No small talk. Therefore, every word he spoke demands our attention. As the greatest teacher who ever lived, Jesus often taught in metaphors and parables. He took the familiar, what people already know about, what people already understand, to explain a new concept or a new truth that we're not familiar with. For example, when Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, he didn't really mean that he herded sheep for a living. He took the people's understanding of a shepherd's dedication to his flock of sheep and use that to explain his own dedication and protection to those who would follow him. In our text passage today, Jesus uses this same teaching mode to convey to us important truths. This was delivered at the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, immediately following what we know today as the Beatitudes. And Pastor Josh has uh, delivered several messages to us recently on the Beatitudes. 
Jesus doesn't make small talk. He has important truths to convey to us, his followers. He begins with something we are familiar with. Salt and light. If you would, turn your Bibles to Matthew 5, 13 through 16. <clears throat> the words of Jesus. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Salt and light, both familiar to us. Both encountered by us nearly every day. But Jesus is not educating us on sodium chloride and the lumens emitted by a lamp or a candle. Jesus doesn't make small talk. He is imparting an important concept for those who would follow him and become his disciples. Let's examine the characteristics of salt and determine the message Jesus is sending to us. For one thing, salt is essential to the well-being of our bodies. Now, a lot of people like me eat way more than we should, but we do need salt. And many of the foods, even unprocessed foods, contain it in certain amounts. And our body just does not function properly without salt. Likewise, the individual dedicated believer is essential to the body of Christ, the church. The church or body of Christ does not exist and function without the individual believer. As salt is essential to the function of the human body, we are essential to the function of the body of Christ. Yeah. Every member is important. And as in the human body, the members of the human body, harmony and unity are so important, all working together to achieve a common goal. Did we break it? No. No. That's just the devil, man. 
This is one of those funny things I talked about that happens at Christian Life Church. Are we good now? All right. Stay away from that. Next time you fill a pulpit, you might want to get somebody not quite as clumsy as I am. You're exactly who I want. If you would, uh, if you would, uh, at some point, uh, we don't necessarily have to do it today, but uh, that last point is uh, how essential that every member of the body is or is to uh, the function of the body. Check out chapter twelve in First Corinthians. Okay, as we examine again. Uh, the uh, the functions and the characteristics of salt. Salt preserves and gives flavor. Long before refrigeration arrived on the scene, food was preserved with salt. In times of plenty, fish, uh, uh, meat, game, and other foods could be salted down and be preserved for leaner times. Uh, this process remains with us today uh, in the curing of hams and sausages and bacon. As salt preserves food, so the salt of the earth Christians will preserve the faith of our fathers. The unchanging truths that God has handed down will be protected by his people of the church. Individually and collectively, we as Christians are called to protect the truth of that gospel, to protect it in every way, to not allow corruption to seep in and water down, uh, water down the word, not, not to change God's meaning. We are bearing the responsibility to protect that gospel in its purity. We are the ones who are called to do it. Jesus uh, spoke of salt losing its saltiness. Salt used by people of that day was either mined uh, from deposits in rocks or evaporated from seawater. The material uh, that was derived was not pure sodium chloride salt. It also contained other minerals as well. If water were to wash through this salt mixture for a long period of time, the sodium chloride salt would be dissolved and washed away, leaving only those mineral impurities which were valueless as far as having uh, the, the effect of salt. Backsliding Christians are in danger of losing our usefulness. If we would, uh, if we would function in the kingdom of God, we must preserve that saltiness that God put upon us. 
Salt can be an agent of healing and is capable of drawing out corruption. Salt is called hydrophilic. It draws moisture. In the same way that salt is used to preserve food, it can draw infections out of wounds and purify infected tissue. Salt has been used as a healing agent for many centuries. Uh, two or three times a year, sometimes I get a little tooth infection. Well, the first thing I do is pack it with salt. And normally, it draws an infection right out. I believe in antibiotics, but saving for something bigger, you know. But uh, in fact, uh, uh, salt does that. So we, too, can be agents of healing for both physical and spiritual needs. We pray for the sick and the afflicted, and we witness, counsel, and exhort to promote spiritual wellness. As salt of the earth Christians, we combat corruption wherever it arises. Indeed, Jesus was not making small talk when he told us that we are the salt of the earth. When Jesus told us believers that we are the light of the world, he pointed us to even a more vivid imagery than that of salt. Light is presented to us in the Bible constantly, both in the literal, physical sense and in the figurative or symbolic sense. In the literal sense, we see the creation of light in the account of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good. When God created the heavens and the earth, He arranged this solar system around our sun. Our sun gives warmth and light to this earth and creates conditions which supports plant, animal, and human life. Our food and energy come from the light of our sun. Photosynthesis uh, is, the very, uh, is the very genesis of all food that is produced. Sunlight and water on carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen uh, create carbohydrates, many of which we eat directly. Others, animals eat, and we eat the animals. But it is a finely tuned system made by the hand of God. This whole universe, this vast creation of our Father in heaven, is so large that it defies our comprehension. We don't even know if God 
created life elsewhere in this universe. At this point in time, that question is pure speculation. The Bible doesn't tell us he did or he didn't. But if he ever wants us to know, I reckon we'll find out. <laughs> While our physical existence is dependent on the physical light that we are so familiar with, Jesus uses it as a metaphor to explain another kind of light, the light of eternal truth. In John 8.12, the words of Jesus are recorded. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. To those who would reject the light of Christ, Paul's quotation of the prophet Isaiah characterizes this state of denial. In Acts 28, 26, and 27, these words are recorded. Go to this people and say, You will be hearing, but never understanding. You will be seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. <clears throat> In John 9, 4 and 5, the words of Christ again. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. But while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Where is Jesus today? When Jesus paid the price of our sin and became the sacrificial lamb, he defeated the grave and ascended to the right hand of the Father in heaven, leaving the Holy Spirit to indwell the hearts of his followers. Now, he says to his followers, the believers, his disciples, you are the light of the world. Well, church, members, believers, disciples, it appears that the baton got passed to us. Our turn in the relay, the light, the lighters of the lamb, the carriers of the light of Christ. The light we carry will expose the snares, the traps, and the pitfalls that must be avoided. This light will illuminate the truth that we all have sinned. We need a Savior. That Savior is Jesus. He has come and paid the price. If we follow him, he will lead us to eternal life in his presence. We are called to bring into this light all who will come. We are cautioned not to hide this light 
and to let it shine before mankind. And when we have the bowl on the light, the light does not shine forth. We do this not for self-glorification, but to bring glory to the one God who is revealed to us in the persons of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We do not generate the light. As the moon reflects the light of the sun, we reflect the light of God's Son, our Lord Jesus. Light is a gift, and I would like to uh, like to read a little poem entitled The Gift of Light. Have you ever wandered alone throughout the night in quiet desperation, void of hope, and filled with fright? Every footstep that you travel through that endless murky maze <clears throat> underscores your helplessness, the futility of your ways. When in sheer exhaustion you cease your useless march, the light of dawn comes rushing forth as a glowing golden arch. You're delivered from the darkness which held you captive all alone. The gift of light illuminates a new path once unknown. Now the obstacles that held you in the grip of sure defeat wither in the daylight as your eyes now guide your feet. This dark world that we've lived in since from the garden driven yields only to the gift of light, a gift that's freely given. A deliverance now awaits us, a final victory overnight. We can overcome the darkness. We can dwell in that bright light. This dark world won't defeat us once we've regained our sight, that gift comes from the hand of God, and Jesus is the light. Amen. We are the people of the light. However, many of us uh, need this reminder from Jesus to set the light high for all to see. There would have been many ways to approach this message this morning and uh, uh, someone else could take it and there are so many other analogies that can be used from salt and light uh, in the interest of uh, brevity. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't burn any more, but I hope that at least we saw some of the points that Jesus was trying to make. And... Uh, you know, I have been told at one time that uh, the mind cannot absorb any more than the posterior can endure. So, <laughs> may have been pretty brief, but would, would you join me in prayer? Father, make us your revealers of the light of Christ. 
fill us with your spirit and make us equal to the task that you've set before us. May your convicting spirit draw all who would come. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If there's anybody here this morning that uh, has not made that decision to come in to that life, the light of Christ, the elders and Pastor Josh, and uh, I'm sure you've got many Christian friends that would love to visit with you about this. Don't leave today if you've got questions about it. Uh, if, if you're feeling a little pain, my friend, that is a convicting Holy Spirit working on you. Thank you. Better, better wait and not have another wreck here. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Joe, can we do something real quick before we um, before we come to the table? Um, can you uh, you have come through uh, darkness and you've come through intense, intense grief um, and uh, you love Jesus so so can you pray for the Klufas and the Hollins? Um, I just feel like you probably got something. So. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you acknowledging that you are the giver of every good and perfect gift. Everything that is good that comes into our lives is a gift from your hand, Lord. And Father, sometimes when we when we lose loved ones, when we meet unspeakable sorrows in our lives, Father in heaven, we need your healing touch so badly. And Lord, I thank you that you have given that to me. And I just pray that our bereaved brothers and sisters, friends, Father, as they face these sorrows, this great time of loss, that you would comfort them, heal them, pick them back up, that in the memory of that loved one, they would heal, they would remain productive, and that they would uh, have an attitude of thanksgiving in their hearts. Thankfulness, Lord, that you shared that loved one with them for the period of time that you did. Father, uh, as it was related, related to me, Michelle has received that thankfulness for that time with, uh, with Kyle. And we just pray, Lord, that your healing power, your sustenance, your uh, supplying all the needs of that family would come forth. And Father, we have other 
people today mourning the loss of a loved one and other great losses that occur in our lives. And we just pray, Father, that you in your faithfulness would just shower down your blessings and your comfort. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh,